is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. want to just say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. And remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. You know why you need to do that? Because everybody and their mama will find out about the greatness that we have going right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Because the people that have subscribed, they know about what's going on. Because we're almost at 4,000 subscribers. We need you all to keep on subscribing. If you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting on? Your life depending on making sure you make that final decision. Because we are here just for you. But um, coming up on the show today, I, I really feel like, T, that... The Atlanta Braves can catch the New York Mets right here and right now. And did Arthur Smith kind of hint at Drake London being available for the Saints on Sunday? Ooh, and last but not least, and for the culture, people just will always find a way to hate. Man, golly, get a life. We'll talk about all that. But first, the Braves over the weekend, they swept the Marlins. Um, that was something that we expected them to do. We talked about that on Friday, T. And I think that for them to sweep the Marlins, I think that there's some a lot at stake right now, especially since the Braves are only one game back in the National League East. Yes, yes. This eight-game road trip is going to be critical for the Braves because, yeah, it is an opportunity for them to – Finally, finally get over the hump with the Mets. Now, it's going to be a daunting task because you do have the Mets with a far easier schedule. When you look at those last 28 games of the season, that schedule is still looming because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about a team in the Mets that literally has to play the Braves and the Brewers. That's it. So about seven of those 28 games are uh, with opponents that are viable opponents. The Braves, however, have a little bit of a difficult stretch, even in this uh, road trip, because, of course, they're taking on the Mariners and the Mariners are rolling. So I just hope that the Braves can maybe continue their winning ways. We're talking about six games in a row. Uh, Let's get or going for their sixth game in a row. I think that if they can just stay focused and we can keep seeing out of their pitching staff, the starting pitching staff, Kyle Wright. Seeing what we saw in him with that last outing and also maybe a little, and I don't even know if you call it revenge because getting away from the Oakland A's is not a bad thing for Matt Olson, right? But maybe just a little bit of a revenge tour, kind of looking like his last game. Remember, they had the the two-game series back in June, and the second game Matt had was a really nice game, two for five, one RBI. So I feel like when some of those things kind of happen, and you know Matt's been on a tear as well of recent, then those are things that bode well for uh, the Braves. And, of course, as well, anytime you continue to see the rookies do what they're doing, and Ronald Acuna Jr. still looking like he looks, assuming, Jarvis, that he's maybe DHing tonight and he'll get the day off tomorrow for the day game. I think those, the start, that uh, that trip will bode well for the Braves. No doubt about it. And, and, and to add to kind of like the whole Mets situation, here's why I think that the Braves can catch them. Because just looking from the other side, not giving all the things that you laid out, I totally agree as far as what the Braves are doing right now. They're rolling mm-hmm. right now. I think they're in a, in a really good space. But just from the Mets standpoint, mm-hmm. now just go back a little bit. 
they just pulled Max Scherzer early because he was having some yeah. left side issues, right? Yeah. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. That's one strike. And right. the second strike is they're kind of yeah. wondering whether or not how far they're going to push Jacob DeGrom as yes. far as what he's going to do. So not necessarily what the Braves are doing is the reason why I believe. It's because I think the Mets are finally maybe potentially starting to Met at a time that – you know, it is a very bad time because, like you, said, like you mentioned, we have less than 30 games left in the season, and I think that this is something that is going to affect the Mets because without those two guys that I just named, yeah. Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, mm -hmm. the Mets are kind of, eh, they're okay. They're okay. But when those two guys are on the mound, mm -hmm. they are a very scary baseball team. And, yeah. and I think that the Braves have a big opportunity right here, starting mm -hmm. out with the Oakland A's, 940, his first pitch, Kyle Wright on the mound, a guy who's going for 20 games, so – more than enough um, incentive to go out there and, and, and um, show well um, mm -hmm. tonight on, on the West Coast. But, T, I think that there is um, another team that played at Mercedes-Benz. You know, we talked about the Falcons playing at Mercedes-Benz on Sunday. Um, the Georgia Bulldogs um, played against the Oregon Ducks, and uh, um, they look different. We'll talk about that. But before we do that, T, Please tell the folks about what Built Bar got going on for the Locked On listeners and viewers. Yeah. And so, like you said, with the Mets, there are some things that are showing us a downward trend. Their pitching staff, the fact that they did met against the Nats. So that is also something that's a good look on the baseball side. And on the side of your health, a good look is Built.com. Yes. So Built has come back. You know them. They invented the healthy yet. Yeah easy to go down tasty snack guess what they are back they've done it again this time it's cookie dough chunk puffs and how many of us don't Ooh. like cookie dough? you kind of know that yes, from your childhood right so yes. it's a lighter <laughs> chewy texture just like you remember from when you were a kid it's real cookie dough chunks and of course it's 100 real chocolate but what we always like to tell you about here as jarvis and i continue on our health journeys is when you can get a built bar or a chunk puff that's 116 calories but you can also get 15 grams of protein that is a win win so again you're looking at collagen protein one of the best proteins that's available because it absorbs things so efficiently so again that's good for you and listen we're all looking for healthy snacks so that's a healthy snack whether you're coming from your workout or whether you are trying to get through that atl traffic this is for you so how can you grab it you go to build.com go ahead and put your order in for that box of cookie dough chunk puffs and as always use that code locked on locked 15 percent to get that 15 percent off your order that's built.com using the promo code locked on 15 your body will thank you yes they will thank you and continue to thank you as you go through your journey as well now t the uh stetson ben has been on the journey right you know he was like talked about very badly by me you know started i was one of those folks that talked about stetson ben yeah put jt daniels in the game yeah he shut me up um won that championship last year and i think that that was one of the things we we talked about what we were looking for like okay what can a, a stetson bennett look like in year two at going into the season you know as the starter it was his first time doing that and he absolutely killed it. Throwing for over uh, 360 some yards, all yards with three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the offense was so efficient. They went nine for nine on third downs before Oregon figured out a way to stop right. them on third down. <laughs> so, and it was just an absolute onslaught. And I, T, this offense looks very, very different. 
Yeah, it does. And what I liked about it is when you think about the fact that Georgia is essentially still RBU and the three top running backs combined. Now the team had 132 yards total rushing, but the important thing is when you look at Kendall Milton and you look at Kenny McIntosh, you they they were under 100 yards as a group. So right. if Georgia is able to do this kind of damage in the passing game as their running game is kind of getting up to speed, I think that's a good look. And as well, you look at, and we were thinking about that O-line, right? We said, ha, that might be an advantage because that is a group where you do return many more starters in the trenches on the O-line side for Georgia than you do on the defensive side for Georgia. But guess what? That defense showed all the way out. Malachi Starks is the truth as a freshman. Come on now. The, co- the SEC co-defensive player of the week, Chris Smith, was the truth. And they showed you that even though it may not be, you know, in the complete stats, maybe um, in terms of getting a sack or or what have you, or getting multiple sacks or those kinds of pressures on the QB, oh, they gave Bo Nix the business. They right. still gave him the business. So, yeah, when you're not doing the things that we're accustomed to you doing running rush shot over an offense or, or a defense, if you will, or on defense, just literally bulldozing your way through and you're still 59 points ahead. I chuckled because I said you and I thought it was going to be into deep into the fourth, third or fourth quarter before they could even cover the spread, man. man they was like, no, we're going to get this out of the way in the first half. Don't even worry about it. We got you. <laughs> that's, and, and that's the thing about, you know, another thing coming into the season, the big thing was like, wait, okay, how can you – because a lot of times when you win a national championship in college football, like it is very hard to repeat. And, but I think that when this team kind of – the way – given that how so many people left on defense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked about how great they look, but still – there, you still have to reinvent yourself, right? Because what's new? What's different from the team the year before? Super, mm-hmm. super, uber dominant defense last year, right? But right. this year, Top Monkey opened up the playbook because yeah. you talked about the the running backs, you know, not um, getting 100 yards, but shoot, McIntosh caught nine for 117. Yeah, 117 and he right. led the team. Exactly. So, like, so wait a minute. A, wait a minute. That's a whole nother right? element you have to be concerned about yeah. as a defense. You yes. know, like I think Todd Monkey put. The rest of the SEC and the rest of the country on notice. And I think that that is something that you got to consider when you talk about these rankings now. You know, now Georgia number three, but from what I saw, based off the team that they play and the preseason rankings, T, this don't look like the third-ranked team overall to me. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I think at least they'll jump Ohio State. I, at yes, least I think yes, they should no jump doubt. Ohio yeah. State. The only way they don't is if the pundits – that uh, vote in the AP poll consider the fact that Ohio State beat a ranked team, right? right. And yeah. so that might be, you know, the deciding factor. And of course, Alabama, you're number one, and then you shut a team out 55 to nothing. Going to kind of be hard to overtake you, if you will. So I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia stays in the number three spot. But if you ask me where I think they should land, number two, no question. And you know what? Georgia made Oregon look like they were unranked, but they were 11th right. coming to but, the and season. And I should so. say, right, like a top, yeah, but you know, when yeah. it's Notre Dame, you're talking about the top six. Let me, let me, let me rephrase that. When you're talking yeah. about the top six, you're talking about the teams that are essentially yeah. at the beginning of the season looking to be the contenders to get to the college football playoff. Yeah, right. That no, no still is going to, that could potentially rank, and that's Notre Dame. Which essentially, as an too. independent, still <laughs> is a higher thing than if you're Pac-12. Let's just be real. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and that and that's 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 the thing that goes into the voting every year. We always wonder, like, all right, how did No Dan get this high again? But you know, um, it wasn't all good. 
um, at Mercedes Benz. You know, yesterday, you know, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. You know, they uh, <clears throat> they were they started off okay. You know, from a, a score standpoint, you know, they held held it down. DJ, you look very DJ, you like, um, and and um, but unfortunately, you know, Georgia Tech falls to Clemson. Now, the one thing that you know, I, I said that you know, I wanted to kind of see from the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, even though I wasn't really expecting them to be in the to win the game, but there, you still want to see some type of progression to you. Yeah. And I just haven't really seen that. Jeff Sims looked exactly like Jeff Sims played. You'll see a couple play. Oh, wow. That's great play. And the next thing you know, Oh, wow. What, what happened? You know, and that could be within back to back plays. So, yes. So my whole thing is to like, I, Jeff Collins came in with a lot of, a lot of, you know, hoopla, a lot of promises. He made a lot of promises in but it just seems like this is the same team that we saw towards the end of Paul Johnson's uh, um, tenure as the head coach of this team. Agreed. And when you think about the fact that they played Clemson last year extremely close, and we know that Clemson has reloaded. They learned their lesson from last year, and they're like, no, that, yeah. but if you're looking at it from just a pure perspective of competing, well, Georgia Tech, you supposedly got better too. So if they got better, right. even if it's exponentially better, and you got better, but it wasn't exponential, 55, for, excuse me, 41 to 10, that's a 31-point gap. You had about a three-point gap last year against Clemson. Right. So to me, yes, that seems like a Tech is going to Tech, and I hate it because we all love Jeff Collins, but at the end of the day, this is one of those situations, Jarvis. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I said to someone uh, just last night, Jeff Collins may not make it through the season. Yeah, and I talked to some people, some alumni who followed that team very, very closely, and they said that it is on the table that he could get fired during the season. Now, hopefully that's not the case, but like I said, at the end of the day, it's all about the results. Speaking of results, you know, the Atlanta Falcons drafted Drake London with the eighth overall pick in this year's draft. And we may have got word that he may see the field. We'll talk about all that next right here on ATL Day Ones with Jarvis T, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra. That is Jarvis. And you guys are our family that we appreciate. You guys coming back, especially on the other side of a long holiday weekend and continuing to just download us wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate that and the five-star reviews. And we also appreciate you guys getting us as a Locked On Sports Atlanta network almost to 4,000 subscribers. So see, keep subscribing, keep telling friends and family. We appreciate you guys. And we know that there is something that you guys can appreciate and what you are about to see, maybe, in the next five days. We are T-minus five days to the Falcons taking the field for their 2022 campaign, of course, the season opener against the Saints. So in that game, we kind of wonder, the roster was trimmed down to 53 last week, Practice squad was started. We saw who fell on IR and who did not. And two people that were not on IR would be that of Drake London and Brian Edwards, right? So that kind of gave us some indication, hmm, they may be back on, on the mend and, and on the return. And of course, they returned to practice on Monday. So that got people to thinking and asking some questions of Coach Arthur Smith, one of which was, will we see Drake London in game one? His answer, he's progressing. And then when he was asked if, again, do you anticipate that London will be available, Smith said, yeah, we'll see what it looks like. So do you think that's an indicator, at least from London's perspective, that he'll play? 
you know what? I think he'll play, but I think it'll be on a limited basis because when you think about how the how the Falcons have handled his whole situation, they've been very, very careful. Sometimes yes. some people may even think that they may be a little bit too careful, yes. which I can I can respect that. You know, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, of course, I yeah. want to see Drake London play and see yeah. what he's working with. But I think that if you if you have a guy who's had a little injury history in the past mm-hmm. and he has an injury on that particular leg that he's had yeah. in the past. You kind of got to kind of use baby steps. Um, mm-hmm. I hope no pun intended when it comes to, you know, a rookie wide receiver, you know. Yes. Um, and I think you have to work him in from time whenever you can. So mm-hmm. I think that they'll get a good look at him this week. And I think that he'll be play, he'll play, but it'll definitely be on a limited basis, T, because I think you can't risk it too much. Because, like you said, you yeah. have some viable guys. You yeah. have some targets. He had, Mariota has more people. Even if Drake London is out there, he'll right. have still have more people to throw to than Matt Ryan did like, right. all last right. season. Exactly. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. There's still that unicorn out there who's going yes. to be quite fine for the Falcons. And also, if they do get Brian Edwards back and again, maybe they work Brian Edwards in as well. But you also have some decent pass catchers in the running back room. So if you combine that tight end room with the running back room and some serviceable receivers, you should still be able to have a viable passing game and a passing attack with the Saints coming in on Sunday. And let's just face it, their secondary isn't exactly their strong suit uh, this season. So that may be also another uh, area where maybe advantage Falcons, we shall see. But, you know, when when I think about that as well, I agree with you. You don't want to rush Drake London along if you don't have to. And right, you yeah. and because you have someone who and I love what Marcus Mariota said as well, because we kind of think about it also from a mental standpoint. Right. Like, is he going to be someone who can jump right into whatever the game plan is that Arthur Smith and Dave are going to put in place? And Marcus Mariota said, hey, from the day he was drafted, going through OTAs, training camp, et cetera, he's one of the guys that literally picked up the schemes super, super fast. And so he does Mm -hmm. not doubt that when he returns, he'll be able to pick up where he left off with no issue whatsoever. So to me, I thought that was also very encouraging to hear your QB one say that he has the confidence that if you are inserted back into the lineup, you'll be able to be inserted despite the fact that we, by that time, you will have been away from game action for a month. He believes and is confident that Drake London can indeed come back and and have an impact and pick up very, very quickly. But speaking of having an impact, it always does on this show for Jarvis. So tell the guys about Coffee AM that keeps you up and going. You know what? I always pick up Coffee AM very quickly in the morning because, you know, I always get my day started super, super early uh, because I'm, you know, like T and I talked about, we always say, you know, we get off a good, good, good day, and we gotta get a good workout in because you know that's what we're trying to do. Make sure we carry ourselves accordingly. And I know sometimes I need a little pick me up, and mm-hmm. you can go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on if you want to get a pick me up as well. I'm gonna tell you why in just a little bit because I love my Kenya K cups. I absolutely love those bad boys because when I, I like to go a little quicker. You know, sometimes sometimes it takes a little the grind. Coffee takes a little bit longer. So, you know, mm-hmm. let me go. I need to get quick. I need to be get quick, fast, in a hurry. So I drop that cake up in my in my coffee maker. I hit that uh that drip button. And then next thing you know, boom, I got my my coffee AM right there to get my morning going. So for all the people who are asking why why you should go there, 
Um, I just told you. And then for the people who are saying, like, once I get there, like, you got to give me some incentive to go there, Jarvis. I got you. Calm down. I got you. So here's what you do. Coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Drop in the code locked on, and you're going to get 15% off all coffee, gift sets, and teas. Whatever you want. Go get it. It's going to be off of your first order. So that's 15% off. All you got to do is drop in the coupon code box locked on and go ahead and pull up on the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country. And speaking of the best, arguably in this country, in the NFL, Kyle Pitts. We are going to see, we're going to, and it's funny because as much as we're talking about Drake London and Brian Edwards and what that could mean to the passing attack for the, for the Falcons at the end of the day, that offense will start and stop with Kyle Pitts. And so when you look at Kyle Pitts, year one versus year two, it looks like he really is becoming a more well-rounded player. But how do you think that actually impacts specifically that has an impact on the Falcons offense? You know what? When you think about like the type of player that he is, right? When you look at Kyle Pitts, uh, you wouldn't necessarily, if it was 10 years ago, you're like, well, you don't play no doggone tight end. Boy, you're a wide receiver. You know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> like, you like Randy Moss. You know what I mean? Like, or Jake Reed or some some super big body wide receiver mm-hmm. that, you know, just freakishly athletic, right? But I think that those some of the things that that we learned last year, right? But coming in, and the, and the thing that I really appreciated about Kyle is, like, I'll never forget this. When coming into the season against mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Eagles, I asked him what was the thing that he wanted to put on display as an Atlanta Falcon and the rookie. He was like, the first thing came out of his mouth with no hesitation. He said, my blocking. I want to put that on display. And this was as a rookie tight end because, you know, mm-hmm. rookie tight ends coming into the league now really don't have to worry about blocking. But right. I think Kyle Pitts is a guy that this is something that he want to work on. And I think coming into year two, like you, like you mentioned, being more mm-hmm. comfortable, just being comfortable in who he is. Like, we've seen that. We've seen that progression. And I think that he's added that to his game as far from a blocking standpoint. And even the defense core DMPs talked about it. Like, man, this dude being able to block as well, that means you can add him to every formation. And think about mm-hmm. the play caller that is Arthur Smith. And I've been, I'm going to champion Arthur Smith as being one of the better play callers in the NFL because he makes things easy for his quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're able to add Kyle Pitts into – whatever formation you want to you want to know because a lot of times when you bring Kyle Pitts into the game especially mm-hmm. last year because he lined up outside so much it was just like oh yeah he's a wide receiver he's not a mm-hmm. tight end but mm-hmm. when you talk about doing that this year being that he's gotten better as a blocker mm-hmm. that, that's gonna have defense coordinators guessing as to formation because a lot of times they call plays mm-hmm. accordingly to what yes. formation or how what the personnel is in the huddle right mm-hmm. so that's gonna throw everything off from a defensive standpoint and it's gonna open up so much for Arthur Smith who I say will say he is a really good play caller. Yeah. That's going to put a lot of defenses on notice in the NF- around the NFC South and around the NFL. Yeah, and in addition to what he does on the field, what he's going to do physically, I think what Kyle Pitts brings to the table as far as bringing along the tight end room and bringing along the wide receiver room, I think that's huge as well. So helping a Drake London to have the game slow down a little bit faster. Let's be honest, he didn't have a lot of that last year per se, right? Because there were tight ends in the tight end room fighting for their lives, and, well, we know what happened to wide receiver one. So he really did not have a lot of the mentoring opportunities per se that he can give to a Drake London or more importantly, a Felipe Franks, because if when you look at 
Arthur Smith and the fact that Felipe Franks made this roster. And we know that Arthur Smith loves two tight end sets. So you're going to see 12 personnel. You might even see 13. This to me, (laughs) this to me speaks volumes about what Kyle Pitts is doing to also help to spread that offense and make that offense diverse because we saw him during training camp, talking to Felipe Franks and giving him some insight and some guidance on what the field should look like from a tight ends perspective versus just a quarterback's perspective. So I suspect that Kyle Pitts, to your point, rounding out his game, but also not just rounding out his physical game, but his mental game, I think that's going to be a big piece for the Falcons as well. So when we come back, we're going to talk about someone who has rounded out her game quick, fast, and in a hurry to let us know that the game of tennis is in good hands. But we're also going to be talking about someone who doesn't understand who left it in good hands. We'll talk about that and for the culture, as well as, of course, some petty when we come back. Hater. Final segment of ATO Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. Thank you for hitting that like button. Thank you for hitting that subscribe button. Thank you for leaving us a five-star review. We just really appreciate y'all, man, because we are rocking and rolling towards 4,000. Um, if, you if you're watching this show or listening to this show and you have not subscribed or le- left us a review, what in the world are you waiting on? Like, stop being a procrastinator. Go ahead and get with this greatness. That's our new motto right here. Get with this greatness. Um, but, T, this is um, For the Culture. It is the intersection between sports, the culture, and entertainment sometimes. Like, whatever the hell we want to talk about, because that's just how we get down on this show. Th- today is no different, because um, Margaret Court, for those of you who don't know, I'm which probably sure there are a lot of you who don't. Um, you probably just know by the number that she achieved, and that's 24 um, Grand Slam titles. Um which was what the um, record that was Serena Williams was chasing, but she did mm-hmm. not, unfortunately, she did not reach that. She had 23, but I think it's safe to say that Serena Williams has uh, had a bigger impact on the game than Margaret Court. Um, but she decided to, uh, and that's why she said that she admired Serena Williams for that. But apparently, T, she was looking for that in return, and she felt like she couldn't get that in return. Yeah. You know, now, yeah. if you admire somebody, is it? proper protocol because you know i'm a petty i don't care about all that you know is it proper protocol to expect the same admiration that you give to a certain person or is that the whole defeats the whole purpose yeah it's interesting because i was under the impression that when we give we don't give expecting something in return and i thought that went across every (laughs) aspect of life so do we want the accolades to be mutual absolutely that's just human nature like if you give someone something or if you say thank you you want them to say thank you back right human nature Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. however just because you are giving her kudos and accolades does not mean she has to give that back to you especially because where have you been in terms of your support and what accolades are you talking about because i've never heard anyone reference margaret court giving act margaret court giving accolades to serena williams so i find that very interesting that i've yeah. never heard commentators talk about that i've never heard some of the bigs like a billy jean king who's been a supporter from day one who's a, a monster in tennis by the way there you go I've, <laughs> exactly, I've never heard any of those who have come out and spoken on serena's behalf talk about margaret court being that person that's number one that made 
it an issue for me. Another thing that made it an issue for me was her trying to compare apples to oranges. Yes, you can say that you beat the number three player in the world at that time, but how many of those matches did you play against amateurs? All pretty much of your matches were against amateurs. Serena Williams for 22 years did not play against amateurs, played against the best in the world, overtook them over and over and over again. So miss me with, oh, I had two kids and I still won a couple of, uh, you know, majors. Yeah, you did, but you won them against amateurs. And the final piece of that is this. At the end of the day, you still looked like everybody who took the court. So you were never going to experience the vitriol that Serena Williams had to face during her career. And she talked about that, the fact that this was the first time in her career that she didn't feel like she was playing with a target on her back. And that wasn't a just, a, just a target because she was number one in the world for so many years. That was also a target because she was an African-American female that played the game with power. She had a different look altogether, a different serve, a different everything, but stood in her diversity and was comfortable in it. So if we're talking about all things considered, Margaret Court, then we can have some commentary. Otherwise, like they say, take several seats. Have several seats, all of them, because it is just right there waiting on you, Miss Mrs. Court or Miss Court. Probably not married. Probably think, you know doing that. But anyway, we're gonna get in that. But I think that you know, I think you make a great point because you know when you think about all of the things that you just mentioned, right? Like trying to justify her even make comments in about it right you know the whole oh i had two babies and all that stuff it just it just it, it makes me not believe that you ever admired her like you know what i'm saying like it's like hey look at me look at me and and when you have people bringing up themselves within these type moments when it should be all about serena about the queen Yes. You know, that just tells me all about you as a person and who you are. And to be honest with you, like my like my, my co-host said, have several seats and, uh, you know, keep it moving. But T, I, I think that, you know, we talked about, you know, Serena Williams and what she's done for the game. But, I, you know, as she's making graciously exiting the, the, the world of tennis. How about Coco Golf coming in, kicking the kicking the door with the faux faux? You know what I'm saying? Like I think that she absolutely did her thing. Like she's the youngest, one of the the younger one one of the youngest persons to make yeah. it to the quarterfinals. Yes. You know, since 2009. So this is an absolute big deal. I think the youngest was 17, so she's mm -hmm. 18. And I think that you know, even her father was talking about just the atmosphere in the arena in new york you know of all the people just cheering for her daughter he said it, it was deafening like that is amazing when you're talking about a tennis match now like we're not talking about a football game or anything like that when you talk about the excitement that people have about uh little miss golf i think this is like absolutely it's so exciting for me and i think it's absolutely huge that you know we we have this in the in the the weekend or the week that we saw Serena kind of, you know, make, exit out of the tournament. We are seeing Coco Golf come in, ready to roll. Yeah, and ready to introduce everybody to her millennial culture, if you will. Yeah, I know. And, yeah, that's yeah, a cool yeah, thing about it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love it because <laughs> Serena also paved the way for that. 
you know, she yes. was the one who had the nails and who had the the fly uniforms that people had never seen. Like and Crip walking on the on tennis the, court after a win at that Wimbledon. Yes, yes. yes. Crip walking. Exactly. Yes. yes, Crip walking in Wimbledon the same series. That is absolutely and, amazing. Right. I love and it. She, <laughs> right, and at first, you know, everybody was like, oh, "Clutch the pearls," but after a while, you realize that Serena's going to be Serena. Like. Yes. That's never you clutching your pearls is not going to stop her from mm-hmm. being who she is. And I believe that gave players like Coco Goff the license to be able to say something like period or to be able to wag that finger and say not today yeah. because mm-hmm. Serena did that for her. But I love that Coco is walking in it and embracing it because now you've got pundits and people who two days ago did not know who young Miami was. Now they're like, who are these city girls she speaks of? City what girls. is this period with a T? What does this mean? I, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. Is she offend? I think it's being offensive to her, you know, to her competitors. Nah, that's just what we say in the culture. There's the word period with the D, but when we put the T on it, that tells you it is final, it's over, it's done. And she wasn't necessarily directing that to her opponent. For her, it was more about what she felt like she was doing to put her stamp on the game, the set, the match, and hopefully on the game of tennis. So I love it. That's that Atlanta swag all day, every day, even though I know city girls aren't from here, but I'm just saying. When I saw it, I was like, yeah, I said, man, she swag surfing on them already. Y'all better get ready because this chick is going to be a bad, bad girl on and off the court. And I expect her to be, as we're seeing so much in this world of sports intersecting with entertainment and the like, She's going to be an influencer, and I'm here for it. Yes, and the Williams sister are the reason that she's able to do that. And I think that she understands that, and we understand that. And it's absolutely beautiful that we get a chance to see it for the next at least 10 years um, that she plays in the game of tennis. Now, another court player, on the court player, Trey Young. Um, he's really good. Um, he was uh, showing his homeboy a little love. Now, we know Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young have a nice relationship, and he just got traded over to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Trey Young took it out of, you know, you know, say, hey, man, welcome, welcome to the Eastern Conference. But within that, though, T, he was pe- being a little petty to the New York Knicks. And when, you, when I say I absolutely love when athletes, specifically ones who play for the uh, Atlanta teams, um, become petty towards an organization that has some of the most annoying fans in the NBA, I just, I'm all here for it, T. I'm having a seat, and I'm just watching, and I got my popcorn ready to roll. Yes, Trey. Thank you so very much. Thank you, sir. For giving us this. Like, just, I don't even know what to say. And the funny thing is, in the video, it shows Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, his nickname is Spider. So it shows him with the Sp- Spider-Man uniform on in, in Cavs colors, of course. And so he pulls the mask off and you see that it's him, right? And he's in the Cavs locker room. But I being that I have a little bit of petty myself, I was like, ooh, you know, Spider-Man, that's Gotham. So I was like, oh, I'm sure Trey didn't, that did not get lost on Trey. And then, of course, the, the video plays to this girl who has on her Knicks uh, baseball cap and she's in the mirror saying some ugly things because, of course, the Knicks wanted, wanted, wanted Donovan Mitchell and just could not pull it yes, off. They lusted and for just, Donovan Mitchell and right. they didn't get That's him. What I was going to say, <laughs> you, you won Donovan Mitchell and you know you won with that. 
But yeah, just to have that kind of trolling, it's like that is Trey on 10. Yes. <laughs> and it's like yes. literally you just go to your calendar and you start saying to yourself, okay, I know they're going to play them four times this year. When is the first time? Because let me go and get my ticket because I need to be in the building. Yes, <laughs> Lord. In the building when these Knicks come to town for the first time because you know, Jarvis, you know that this trolling, this is only the beginning. Like, yes. this is only the beginning. We're going to see this over and over and over again. So in case you were wondering, in case you were wondering, Hawks fans, it looks like the Knicks aren't coming to town until January 20th. So it's one of those things, again, where you know, Trey has to go and play up in Gotham uh, first. But the good news is, you know, he is going to act a donkey, especially because remember, he's still seething because who's playing on Christmas Day and who's not? Nick's playing, Trey not. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Now, you make sure you all come back tomorrow because we, as you know, Falcons taking on the Saints on Sunday. We had the big preview coming up. We're talking about Arthur Smith and what he has going on. He's got, he's been saying a lot. Arthur Smith is doing a lot of talking in the first week of NFL uh, football and make sure you all come back. T, tell them about what else we got going on for you. And the reason they need to come back is because Jarvis and I are going to download on the information that we just got a little sneak peek into that depth chart. So you guys wanted to know about Drake London. We already told you we thought he was going to play. Guess where he is on the depth chart? wide receiver one. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll talk about Brian Edwards, who's wide receiver two on the depth chart as well. And of course, we hope to download on a Braves win. So have a great afternoon. We will see you tomorrow. Y'all come back now you're here.